0: Hello and welcome to Go Ask Alice, where we go down rabbit holes that you don't have to. We're three internet friends who are recording from around the world. I'm Drew, and I'm recording from Alexandria, Virginia.
1: Oh, I'm Lindsay, and I'm broadcasting from Chicago, Illinois.
2: (laughs) I love it. And I'm Sarah, and I am uh, recording from Melbourne, Australia. So... Before we get started, I thought we should do something so we can get to know each other a little bit better, because fun fact, me and Lindsay have met each other once at a conference several years ago, and Drew and I have never met, so along along with just doing what we love best, which is Googling random things and going down rabbit holes, we're actually getting to know each other in front of all of you, which is great fun. So I thought I'd start off this week with how would someone else describe you? Do you want to go first, Drew?
0: So um, I've had someone describe me as the right kind of weird that isn't creepy, but is fun to be around. And I think that was one of my favorite ways people have described me.
2: (laughs) I think that's brilliant. Do you put that on like dating profiles or CVs?
0: Uh, I'm sad that I actually do put that on dating (laughs) profiles.
2: Lindsay, how would someone describe you?
1: So, you know, it's a toss-up because I realize that I'm making new friends um audi- audibly over audio. So maybe one of my favorites was when Sarah told me last week, after not speaking for two years, that I must have a <laughs> thick jawbone because of my voice. <laughs> 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 um, but I think my, my actual favorite is that... Um, At the end of a school year, some of my former students told me that I'm like a goth Miss Frizzle. Oh
0: Oh, my
3: god, that's
1: the best compliment ever.
0: That's very good.
1: (laughs) And and what's funny is like this student was like in her late 30s and had kids. So, you know, it's not even (laughs) even, like a passing like, you know, 19 year olds comment. This was like a well thought out, like full adult was like, you're a goth Miss Frizzle. (laughs) (laughs)
0: You're a goth, Ms. Frizzle. It
2: was
1: very sweet.
2: I definitely wear it as a badge of honor. Oh, it's amazing. There's nothing like students to boost your self esteem. So we should premise with Lindsay and I are astrophysicists, researchers (laughs) by day. (laughs) By day. (laughs) And Drew is a forensic scientist. By night. He's the more serious one. (laughs) That's amazing.
0: No, I totally bring the lowest IQ in this group.
1: Mm, I don't think so.
2: I just know <laughs> <laughs> We all just took a shot.
1: I know <laughs> They know that that'll not be true. Um <laughs> uh, and Sarah, what about what about your favorite way someone's described you?
2: Right, so I think uh one of my favorite ways was a student once at the end of like the semester in their their little review, like the feedback form they put Sarah shines as bright as the stars that she studies, which I was like, I love you. this is the sweetest thing ever. Oh my God. But my my partner would probably describe me as um, like dog obsessed, dog crazy because every time I see a dog out in public, I need to meet it, I need to pat it, I want to know its name. I wanna know everything about it.
1: So Sarah, how many times have you had the situation where you Mm -hmm. immediately see a dog and start talking to it and completely forget that there's a human attached to the dog?
2: (laughs) Normally I'm pretty good. Normally I will like make sure I ask the human for permission, but sometimes dogs are just so cute. Like, especially when they come running over to you. Um, But there's only been a couple of times where I've been like, can I pat your dog? And they've said no and the devastation that is on my face. <laughs> like I'm shocked. I'm like, Oh, but they're a good boy. What kind of
0: person says no? Like
2: <laughs> Some people are just so selfish. I know. One of them was like, Oh, she can be a little grumpy and I'm like, I'll get bitten, that's okay, I won't sue. Yeah, you guys can't sue in Australia. No, yeah, no, we are not a we're not a suey person uh suey. Country,
0: Silly <laughs> <laughs> S- S- country,
2: unlike unlike the US. What always cracks me up when I go over there in the the TV ads? Like every second one is either for like a drug. It's like ask your doctor about so and so might cause death, but you know will make you happy. Um, or it's like a do you need a lawyer to sue your neighbor? Like type things. <laughs> It's so true.
1: (laughs) I I like, you know, you know, like when you go back home, you know, if you moved out far away from where you grew up and then like you realize things are different that you totally took for granted. Yeah. I I noticed once I was in a pizzeria and these kids were fighting and one of them just stopped and was like, I'll sue you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll sue you.
2: Incredible. No, down in Australia, it's more like a I'll stab you. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> at least we're not all we're not all stabby. But where, where I grew up, the train station was like terrifying, um, and that was a very real situation. Was if you saw people fighting, someone might might get injured, <laughs>
0: <laughs> might get stabbed. You won't get sued, but you'll get stabbed.
2: Australia. <laughs> I never watch people
1: and think, oh my god, one of them's gonna sue the other one. <laughs> like I've never. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's a lawsuit right there
1: (laughs) anyway (laughs) uh the premise for our uh podcast is going to be that every week we start out on a particular wikipedia page um this is all happening behind the scenes where we agree on a wikipedia page and then we just start clicking on links and um, the rule that we have for ourselves is if we find ourselves reading more than two paragraphs we have officially found it interesting And we then have to finish reading the entire article and write it up to share with everybody else. So pretty much in a nutshell, we all start in the same place and we end
2: up in wildly different places that we have each found interesting. That's right. It's like a a show and tell, but with no show, just tell.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I did this. I'm not gonna show you, but I did it.
1: So you know what? Actually, before I even reveal where we started, can you guys tally up the number of clicks you've made from our starting point? I'll give you a second. Six. Two, three,
2: four, five. Oh my God. So I took nine clicks. Nine clicks. Well, nothing was impressing you, wasn't it? <laughs> yes.
0: <Yeah. laughs> You're hard to please.
1: It's all for you guys. I put in that work for you guys.
2: Oh, I'm excited. Okay. What is, what is this week's rabbit hole? Where are we diving in from?
1: So we all started on cannibalism the wikipedia article for
2: cannibalism drew where did you end up
0: so i ended up on the term reciprocal altruism oh
2: my god uh, i ended up on valentina tereshkava wow that is a beautiful name and i hope i hope she's not problematic because
1: then i'm going to feel like it's nice.
0: <laughs> problematic
1: she she's not problematic she's more of a legend oh right i also ended up on a female individual um, her name is Elizabeth Charlotte Oh I don't know who that is Neither did I So why don't we um, why don't we do person concept person maybe that would be a good way to break it out Well a
0: concept sandwich I like
2: it Yeah concept sandwich Okay I like it do you who do you want to go first is yours is, is your person a good person or a bad person My person's a dick Maybe we should start with <laughs> with the dick <laughs>
0: <laughs> the dick. What would your person throw in rock, paper, scissors, shoot? What do you think? My
1: person was throw scissors, but then physically throw a rock.
0: <laughs> scissors, but surprise.
2: <laughs> Pocket sand.
1: <laughs> Pocket sand.
2: I'm keen. I'm keen. What did, what was her name? Charlotte. Her name is
1: Elizabeth Charlotte, comma, Madam Palatine. Or as you know her, oh, Empress Palpatine. No, not, <laughs> <laughs> but I did think that when I first saw it, I was like, "Holy shit, Empress Palpatine!" And then I was like, "Not at all." <laughs> um, that's not why I got stuck. So I'm mm-hmm. gonna quickly send a little piece of media to you guys and the okay. you know share to the broader um, world this this is why i stayed on this page i'm gonna need from you guys like two or three adjectives after you see this photo okay
0: that, that's a powerful stare oh Jesus. that's like it's soul it, just looking into your soul
2: <laughs> oh she she'd be a karen of like the 18th century
0: <laughs> wouldn't she karen of the 18th century <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: It, it yeah it looks like a small do you know what's amazing is just a little bit up in that chat is a photo of drew as a child <laughs> and the, stairs. the stairs are so similar
0: oh my god no no stop You've
1: it what kind of what kind of fascinates me is that this is a copper engraving like somehow someone captured
2: this emotion in copper that's incredible <laughs> good on them yeah that would have been terrifying sitting across from that child for several hours like imagine in
1: the restaurant like this child has like one of those like old person faces immediately
2: this child looks hundreds of years she old she does she looks wise <laughs> and you said she she's not she's not a great person what does she do she's not right
1: so okay what's equally fascinating about elizabeth charlotte or her name was Liselotte, lotte so she was german but lived in france and actually you nailed it before sarah um she's from about the 17th century like 1600s um so she lived Ooh, I, was, I was close yeah she lived in versailles uh but she was german so Liselotte lotte was kind of like her nickname um But what's also so interesting about her is that what really persists is her personality, mostly because she wrote somewhere around 60,000 letters in her lifetime and 5,000 still remain.
2: Holy moly. Was she just writing letters to anyone and everyone she could could get an address for? (laughs) The way I see it is like, imagine if you died and then
1: like 400 years later, we have all your text messages
2: no i hate it i'd come back to life and and then die again Yeah, that's that's awful
1: so um what i found most interesting about her was her personality also her legacy which i also thought was equally funny was that the palatine named after like her i don't know surname or something um is like this piece of fur that protects your cleavage from the cold.
2: <laughs> <laughs> boob warmth. The boob warmer.
1: <laughs> and, and like you kind of feel bad because apparently this was like no big thing to her. Like she just wore this. But then in Versailles, like everyone made fun of her. They're Aww. like, you've got these raggy old furs on your boobs. And then like, as as fate would have it, that winter that she first came over was particularly cold. And so then everyone's like, hey, that's like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Lisa Lotta was a nickname given to her by her family that kind of combines Elizabeth and Charlotte. And at first I was like, oh, my God, that's cute. And then I started reading that her sister was Amelie Elizabeth and they called her Amelisa. And then her brother was Charles Louise and they called him like Carlotta. And it just like reminds me so much of like the Midwestern trope of like people just making like really tortured names for their kids that are like Tayley, McCarty, Navy, Maylie, like like all kinds of like names smashed together. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, Lisa Lotta. It's so, like just pick a name. But anyway. Um she spends kind of her childhood, I guess this is really before she wrote a lot of letters, she's always been a bit of a badass, and at some point she writes like, oh I wish I was a boy, and like kind of casually she would just like go visit her grandmother's castle in exile, which I guess was like normal.
2: <laughs> <laughs> normal back then. <laughs>
1: yeah. and you know, picturesque childhood, uh, in exile, visiting grandma, um, I'm pretty sure that the Olsen twins did a movie about that, and uh, eventually grows up to marry. I don't know if you, how like I don't know how much of history everybody remembers, but there is Louis the Fourteenth, not the one with all the wives, but the one called the Sun King. Yes, the Sun. He got the nickname the Sun King because they said that the sun never set on his empire. He owned, he conquered a lot of land, so. Louis XIV had a lame younger brother,
2: Philippe, 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 <laughs> Philippe pronounced Philippe. in French. Phil, if you're in Australia, it'd be Philo. Ah, f-
0: just call him Phil. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Phil.
1: So once, once she marries Phil, things just go like rapidly downhill Did she get married? I found this. She, I actually don't know how old she was, she married, but I think what's the most disturbing, honestly, about their marriage is that they were married November 16th. So freeze that in your head for a second. November 16th, they get married, 1671, you know, in the fall. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Except he's not there and they've never met and they meet. (laughs) four days later on November 20th. How? How is that possible? Did someone like forge his his signature? I, I, they had like a stand-in human. There was like a wedding oh my
3: and like God. he wasn't
1: there and it was like completely normal. And I just think that this would be the greatest premise for like a rom-com that's like, I was the stand-in at your wedding and then we fell in love for real. Oh
2: my God, absolutely. And it would have Jennifer Anderson in it. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston, you mean? <laughs> did I? What did I say? I thought you said Anderson. Anderson, Anderson, Anderson. I honestly
0: don't. Really <laughs> know. It could be either one.
2: <laughs> It'd have J Lo. I mean, like there you go. J Lo like, <laughs> in it. That's amazing. though. how do you even find a a fill in for your wedding? Be like, he looks alright. He'll he'll look good in the in the photos. I
0: feel <laughs> <laughs> in the copper engravings.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's- I feel like nowadays you would still see a Craigslist ad that's like, I feel like it's the equivalent of like, come with me to my cousin's wedding, except it's like, I'm like nobility and my husband is too busy to come to my wedding. <laughs>
2: yes. Well, I think you can hire people, right? If you, if you need like a date somewhere. Yeah. I think that you, can, I mean, yeah, you can hire people to cuddle with you. So probably. Oh yeah. that That's true.
0: I think I need to look in that service. Sorry. What? <laughs>
2: i wonder if i wonder if they liked each other when they finally met can you imagine though there's probably no refunds back then (laughs) definitely no refunds back then this
1: is precisely where her life takes a turn for the worse and also she's an asshole
2: oh dear. okay i can't (laughs) wait did she did she murder her husband
1: you've identified the critical point not that she cheats on her husband so they meet okay and she, basically, so we know this like essentially through texts to her friends, which are just like letters. right? I don't mean <laughs> to say that, but okay. Through her friends, we, we learned that she's like, okay, he's not like super ugly, but he's not really attractive either. Oh, but here's the kicker. He is flamboyantly outward, extremely gay. Oh no. She wrote something to the effect of he loves everything ladies love i do not believe my husband has been in love in his life
2: what i'm sorry but what did she expect she married someone that she had never met and i'm guessing it was probably for money or for some like family probably family oriented i mean this is probably the best that the best thing that she could hope for is, an, is like, a wonderfully gay husband. Someone who's not going to, you know, rape her for a thousand babies. I feel like this is a ideal situation back in the day.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I agree, right? Because she's also, so she's, like, a woman mm. of hobby. Like, she, she, like, loves, it's kind of like they switch gender roles. Because she, like, loves hunting. And I know this is very, um... Oh my god, what's the word when you do something you're not supposed to do? Scandalous? But she like doesn't wear face masks when she goes hunting versus oh. women were not supposed to go hunting but she does not protect her face from the wind when she goes like she just like puts her
2: face in the wind while she's hunting okay scandal
0: a fucking scandal right there
2: she's out there with the fur over her titties with a gun in her hand <laughs> <laughs> she's terrifying so far
1: she's, with that like demeanor of of like the Quaker Oats Man, but in a small child's body.
2: <laughs> oh, that is a thousand percent it. She does look like the Quaker Oats Man. She told, she wrote in one letter that she had a bear cat monkey face. <laughs> <And> she, <gasps> oh, at least she was self-aware.
0: least <laughs> she knew. yeah.
1: But, um... So she Right. So she marries a gay man. And yeah, you would think this is ideal because she's got her own hobbies. And, you know, also like in addition to hunting and doing other kind of like traditionally masculine things, she's also into like antique coin collecting, which is fucking baller. But then additionally, she bought three of the newest gadget. Would you guys like to guess what the newest technological gadget was? Newest gadget. This was 16, no, 17? 16, let's say she was married 1671. So let's say late 1600s. Okay. Um, What was new tech in late 1600s?
2: Is it like a horse and cart? Like a a fancy cart? It's a fucking microscope.
0: (laughs) She's fucking, she's a scientist.
2: That's amazing. She's like a rich old man. Yes. Yes. So she
1: you would think this is ideal because it's like, great, I've got this gay husband who stays out of my way and I can just look through my microscope and ride horses all day. <laughs> but instead, she's bitching about him to her friends, And instead of just writing like, oh, he's gay and that's the end of it, she goes to really seal the deal, really paint the picture. She goes, he has a small mouth and feminine teeth.
2: <laughs> oh, do you have a
1: photo of this poor man?
0: Got them feminine teeth.
1: you you can spot a gay man a mile away by his feminine teeth. So immediately I'm like, wow, like she really had a chance there. And she was a dick. She's awful. Right, exactly.
2: Yeah, this poor guy. And I mean, it's not like he had any other choice apart from being married and pretending to live the, the expected life, which is so messed up. But this poor guy, his mouth and teeth didn't do anything. And so then, you know you you could think maybe like okay maybe people weren't very
1: woke back then but we also have from her letters that she's describing the the spectrum the the like heterosexual to homosexual like spectrum and she's like there's people all over that like you know she's like there's gay straight bi like there's she's like mm. describing the the fucking rainbow And you're like, wow, wait a minute. So she's like pretty woke. Like she gets it that that like gay is a spectrum. And then she says,
2: the world is even worse than you thought. (laughs) Girl, you almost had it right until that end bit.
1: It's like you have it in your hands and just fucking crush it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Fucking
0: ruined it. Oh, my God. She, like, she had this, like, great, like, oh, man, really, like, a progressive thought.
2: Understanding of the human condition.
0: And then just, like, just smack yep, it. Yep,
2: this beautiful vase that she herself crafted and then smashes it on the ground. Oh, well, she can tell that she wasn't popular at the gay bar. <laughs> she didn't have a good time. She never got picked for karaoke duets.
1: Yes. <laughs> she never got picked. And I feel like this is this is like another small detail I'd like to add amongst her hobbies is that she was known for walking very fast. Like King <laughs> Louis the 14th was like that woman fucking walks fast. <laughs>
3: she <boxed laughs> like, it. <laughs>
1: she, like other people in Versailles could not keep up with her because she walks so fast. <laughs> Oh my God! There's a lot to there's a lot to uh, be entertained by in Versailles, obviously, oh. because she's like walking very fast. But while this is going on, her her husband, her her mate, uh, Philip, has not just one predominant gay lover, but many gay lovers, and one of them is this character named the Chevalier de Lorraine, and oh, that sounds fancy. It does. And this guy is like textbook villain. So he's very. Oh. Everyone's very open with their homosexuality, and Philip and mm-hmm. the Chevalier have numerous affairs with younger, older men, and form this like French nobility woman-hating. cult. Oh, hell!
2: It's, it all stemmed from his crazy, scary wife. I don't. I don't think that's true. <laughs> She walks so fast. I
1: just want to hate her with my friends. <laughs> yes.
0: Oh my God.
1: They honestly, though, this cult was like pretty, pretty bad. So they had, they called it a secret homosexual brotherhood, which same, but then they also <laughs> swear an oath to renounce all women, but then they would go so far as actually inflicting violence on women. So there's like really no good person in the story. It's like up till now you felt bad for the husband because his wife walks so fast, but now you're like, oh, they're like beating women because they they have issues.
2: Wow, they're all very, very troubled souls, aren't they?
1: Yes, I'm
2: really sorry to drop
1: this on you like in a list, (laughs) by the way. As fast as Charlotte herself Oh my god, like she must have smelled so bad. But anyway, so <laughs> yeah. I
0: think everyone back then did.
1: Drama, drama oh wait, okay, we're gonna come back to that. Okay, that's like a Lindsay special. We're gonna come back to that. Okay. <laughs> so so drama really comes to a head where Louis the Fourteenth finds out that his son was in the woman hating cult. Oh, no. And he's devastated. So it, I guess back then you don't really, like, ground your kids. You just send them to mm-hmm. war. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> mm, yeah. So he sends his 16-year-old son to war, and he's, like, super pissed. And the son immediately dies. Oh, and Lisa Lata. That's, that's
2: going to be some heavy guilt.
1: Well, you would think for Louis Fourteenth, maybe. But Lisa Lata mm-hmm. is the one who takes it really hard. And she's like, that kid bore his soul to me. Like, we were so close and they were close enough that she knows who seduced him in the first place the fucking chevalier her husband's boyfriend oh you don't like the chevalier because he's a bit of a yeah, a bit pedophilic isn't it yep he exactly her husband's boyfriend seduced her nephew the king's son yep yep into death Hell. and did the chevalier get punished actually not that I saw you kind of Let's say yes. I have no idea, but let's say yes because I want him to be punished. Let's hope.
0: Let's hope he got mm. punished.
1: I actually didn't see that in the article because it was mostly focused on Lisa Lotta, and I have no interest in giving this asshole
0: more airtime. Yeah.
1: Any more? Yep. Yeah, no. No more airtime. No more
2: Chevalier. Yeah. Fuck that guy. But um,
1: anyway, while while all of this drama is going on, somehow Liza Lotta has three kids with her gay husband, which is like kind of really wow. fucked up and sad. Wow.
2: Um, I wonder if they were, if they were his kids or if she was... Yeah, like sleeping around. Getting some on the side. Well, it's... I
1: don't know if this is an answer to that question, but I thought, I noted that it was hilarious that she said to one of her friends, I'm a virgin again because I haven't had sex in 17 years.
3: Holy
1: (laughs) shit. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess she was faithful. And then like her husband died before her. And she really did him a solid by burning all of his gay love letters, which I guess would have been scandalous if they were found, or at least like tabloids would have found them. So like, I think she did right by him. And I think that she just like really wanted kids. Um, Mm. So late, late in her life, um, apart from walking really fast, uh, her life gets sadder and sadder. And like, I just, just cause I don't want to be a downer, like just remember she's a dick. Because it's, it's, the story is about to get really sad, so her kids start getting married off by Louis the Fourteenth to his, as she calls them, double bastard children. I don't know how that's possible, but basically, the the king starts using her children to make his illegitimate children legitimate. So she's sad about that, and to make matters worse, when you're like low and you're sad, you have like a low immune system, and what happens next? She contracts smallpox. Oh, oh no. no. I feel like that
2: was so Australian. Oh, no. Oh,
0: no. But she's a dick, though, oh, no. so it's okay.
2: <laughs> and plus, back in the day, no vaccines. She contracts
1: smallpox and you think this is the end, but no. Instead, the king and everybody in the palace immediately ditch her so that they don't get it, too. This is like the, the ye old days where they would, like, lock you in your house and put, like, a red X. Yeah, yeah. She was, like, exactly. She was, like... Shunned for having smallpox. Banish. But she overcame it at a price. She then became so overweight that it, quote, interfered with her walks.
0: (laughs) No! She lost her speed.
1: But she continued to hunt. <laughs> this is my favorite part. She continued to hunt, but only mounted horses that were big and strong enough to carry her weight. <laughs> 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 those poor fucking horses.
0: Oh, those poor horses. They probably had like their eyes bulged out when they saw her coming, like, oh fuck <laughs> <damn you." laughs>
2: Oh, this poor girl. How mean are they, though, back then? (laughs) They had to get her big, strong horses. Gotta go fast. I mean,
0: what if she needed them? I don't
1: know. I know. But she. So, so like, it's somewhere around this time that she's got smallpox, overcoming it, overweight, stocky horses. Um, Her husband does die. Uh, This is very dramatic. Um, He dies after a heart attack, after an argument with his brother.
0: passion right there
2: i wonder what they were fighting about i know i couldn't find it i really want to know i i hope it was boring oh me too otherwise it's just it's it's not ironic anymore it's just sad so so now that her husband's dead the first
1: thought on her mind is fuck i might get sent to a convent because apparently, even though she's, like, in her 70s at this point, or she's, like, late on in life, like, there was something in their marriage contract that basically said if she's by herself, she gets sent to a marriage convent, so... What's a marriage convent? Is this, like, a is this like a nunnery? Oh, sorry, yeah, I think I misspoke, yeah, a convent like a nunnery, sorry.
2: <laughs> right, but just because her husband died, that seems a bit brutal. <laughs> yeah. She might not want to be married to the Lord. Yeah, no, like... I don't like.
1: Maybe God needs fast walkers, but like <laughs> she's very like independent. Like I don't, I don't know. I, I that was that was really the ultimatum. Was like either be married to a gay man or like join a convent. And at this point, she really didn't want to join a convent. So she goes back to Louis XIV, and she's like, "I know I was mad at you for marrying off my children to like your children, but like let's make let's make good." And Louis XIV at the time was married to this woman that Lisa Lotta like fucking hated. And when I say hated, like circle back to the fact that she wrote a lot of letters. Like, what would any of us do when we hate someone? We would fucking text our best friend about it and be like, I hate this bitch. Here's all the shit she said. Like, whatever. That's exactly what Lisa Lotta did about Louis XIV's wife. Amazing. She wrote all over europe shit talking this woman and so when she comes back to Louis the 14th she's like hey i know that we haven't been great but i don't want to be in a convent the wife steps in and goes by the way i read your text that's amazing
2: yes kicks her out of the palace
1: not only that though but she read them out loud to
2: courts (gasps) all over europe just did a speaking tour of (laughs) of her trashy letters (laughs)
1: <laughs> here's this woman who was shit talking me and here's everything she said about me so I would have been mortified but I I have no idea how but somehow at the end of this Lisa Lata is allowed to live with them but really at arm's length I have no idea what negotiations happen but like that's like the kind of shit, like, you know, like when you're watching reality TV, everyone goes out drinking and there's a fight. And then the next morning, it's like really tense at breakfast. Yes, that's their entire yeah. life. Yeah, like that's what I imagine every day. Like, like everyone is just hung over and like on the verge of like that, that like background sound that happens before a fight on MTV that like <laughs>
2: dramatic, like I don't know. Zoom in on everyone's face. Zoom in on her Quaker face. <laughs> yeah.
0: Everyone's face.
2: She's just glaring, glaring at the wife, looking at her and said, I wrote what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I did this.
1: So, yeah, so she she basically is like, okay, I'll like live here at arm's length. And she and, and King Louis are both like so old and fat that now when they go hunting, they can't even use like stocky horses they now just straight up have to get pulled in a carriage which i like don't <laughs> <want>. <laughs> anyway so that's like i wanted to i wanted this story to be through the lens of of hunting and horseback riding to show this woman's life i guess you've seen <laughs> to show the progression <laughs> yeah you've seen really the different edges or sorry the different stages of uh, of she gets and finally at the end like Versailles is kind of like not a thing anymore because she outlives Louis the 14th and and Versailles gets packed up ready for his son to take over later so she goes and lives with one of her kids and I just love that to the end she's such an asshole because she's still like living in a palace but she wakes up and this is what I promised we would get back to like the smell thing like as a person like Lindsay I am fascinated with like potty humor and like ancient toilets (laughs)
2: i love the history of going to the bathroom oh my god you'd be so fun to do like an ancient roman and greek tour with be like excuse me sorry i need to see where they chat show me the toilets i would
1: oh my god like i just want to know how people did that on a day-to-day basis like i (laughs) really i really am so fascinated and i think potty humor is very funny anyway i know that's like very stereotypically american (laughs) (laughs) but yeah (laughs) that's so funny i don't remember what you said about high iqs in the beginning drew but (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) <laughs> like, I lo- oh my God, pee-pee-poo-poo is so funny. <laughs> but anyway, so we get to the end. The The scene, the final scene of Liza Lata's life is that she's in some nice palace with one of her kids. And she just complains that the, the air in Paris sucks and the entire palace smells like empty night chairs and chamber pots. And it's haunted oh. by her old marriage. And just like, what a scene to fade out. And like, I didn't know what night chairs were. Do you, does anyone know what a night chair is? Uh, no? no,
0: you might have to explain to the class here.
1: Okay. So apparently, you know, chamber pots are like, you know, where you go to the bathroom, like those, like, mm-hmm. you know, metal bedpans. But in the middle of the night, I guess people couldn't be trusted to aim properly. So a night chair is just a like a sh- literally shitty chair <laughs> with a hole in the bottom so that you can aim in the middle of the night uh, into your chamber pot. In your bedroom too.
0: I'm just imagining one of my grandma's chairs just like with a hole cut in the middle of it. <laughs> like, a, like, like, a, like a wicker? <laughs> like oh one of those d- like dinner chairs that has like the nice padding around it and there's just a hole in the middle yes. of it that's just like covered in poop. <laughs>
1: dining room table. That's we we leave Lisa Lotta in a shitty smelling Parisian palace. Ugh. And we fade to black and there's just the lingering stench of chamber <laughs> pots and night chairs <laughs> in the Parisian air and you know I would like to say in some that I would not have been friends with this woman but I'm 20% glad she existed.
2: I think that's a great summary. She um she she sounds a bit miserable to be around. But I mean what a life. She's basically royalty and all she does is bitch about her life in letters. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you for listening to
1: my my rant about Lisa Lotta Madame Palatine. So I
2: I gotta ask, what did you click to get to her from cannibalism?
0: Yeah, how.
1: Oh mm. right,
2: right. That's how this started. Um so interestingly,
1: I started I clicked on gate, like G-A-I-T, like the
2: walk? Because like a walk, there was... yeah. Oh, I guess she had a good gait.
1: Well, I guess that's true.
3: Yeah.
2: With her speed walking. Holy
1: shit, I didn't put that together. I just liked it because there was a the gif of an elephant. And I was like, <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> Me. Yeah. But I wandered all over the place. I got into some weird philosophy. And then I saw the Edict of Nonce. Or Nance. And I was yeah, like Nance, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, remember that? And then yeah. when I was there, um, there was a painter, Hyacinth Rigaud, who's actually a man, and I clicked on his page and um I thought, wait, this could be really interesting. I'm gonna look at the full range of paintings in his Wikipedia article and pick the one that stands out noticeably and and There was a clear distinction with Lisa Lotta's picture. It was like so much more sultry and full of attitude in her portrait. So I was like, oh, this is going to be a good person. And like, sure enough,
2: that's what it was. I love that. I love that you picked it from her, from her sass in her 18th century, 17th century painting.
1: (laughs) She was definitely at the age in that picture painting when she would have needed like the bulky horses like it was late late in life but she still had her self-respect about her enough to be like paint my picture paint it (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's this individual that lived at this time i would like to I would love to hear about Drew's wild journey. Yeah, what was
2: Drew? What was your topic again, Drew?
0: Reciprocal altruism.
2: Yeah, that's a lot of syllables. Yes, I don't know what that means.
0: I will take you on a little journey. This is the journey that I took. So I started at cannibalism and went to sibling rivalry. And then from sibling rivalry to parent offspring conflict. Then from parent offspring conflict to parental investment, the man Robert Trivers and Robert Trivers, I ended up with reciprocal altruism because he actually came up with the term. And so um, he's a he's an evolutionary biologist, and that was super cool. And I actually thought about doing my little, uh, little tip-tap type report on him. But um, I thought the idea that he put out was actually not cooler than him, but kind of cooler than him. You know what I mean? So the actual, not like a full definition of it, but it's basically when one um, one animal i'll just say animal at this point one animal um, lowers their fitness to help another animal out and then the receiver of that in return does the same for the you know the the donor of the um i'll just call it like donor and the recipient so the donor lowers their physical fitness to help the receiver and then later at a later date the receiver Ends up doing something similar for the donor. So it's like a. It's basically tit for tat kind of uh, altruism.
1: Basically, like a Lindsay Lohan in Mean Girls scenario where she pretends to not be good at
2: math.
0: I like, wish I understood that (laughs) reference. I've seen Mean Girls, but I wish I understood that reference more. It's. it's um.
2: I th- I think that's nailing it. I'm
1: disseminating to the masses. I'm
0: <laughs> oh my god! I'm sad that I don't get that <laughs> reference that much. Like I've. She, oh
1: there's god. this like hot guy who's bad at math, and but she's really good at math. So she's like, I'm gonna pretend to be bad at math so that we can be bad at math
2: together. And then I think he like tutors her. Is that right? I think so. And she, yeah, he's not he's not a smart boy, but he's a pretty boy. And then she ends up uh, winning the. What is it like the little it's like almost like a buzz cop competition. You're
1: like the
0: mathletes or something. The mathletes. Yeah. yeah, I uh wish I understood that reference more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt.
0: No, no, that's fine. Like it's it's um I don't know to me so like the idea of reciprocal altruism was just kind of nuts that it exists in nature. You know what I mean? Like it's it's nuts that something would you know in a survival situation reduce its its physical fitness to help something else out like to help another animal like completely unrelated it could be even different species out and that's what was like completely nuts to me you know what i mean do you
2: have a favorite example
0: i have four favorite examples so yes but
2: does any involve dog no
0: no sorry none of them involve dogs Um,
2: how about octopi i love octopi
0: no none of them involve octopi i'm sorry i wish i wish it was octopi i love octopi as well um but like the the thing that kind of made me think about this a lot was um it's a common idea in game theory and that felt super heady to me and then it's just like that exists in nature this like heady idea of you know tit for tat i hate that tit for tat is gross to me I just hate that <laughs> phrase, um, like the "you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back" mentality. You know, that's like that's used yeah. in game theory, and and that like that actually exists in nature. And they brought up the example. Can I ask
1: a dumb question? Go for it. What is game theory?
0: Game theory is basically the idea of like gamifying. Not I would call it gamifying the human condition. Kind of just like um, trying to put. Ideas behind why people do shit. You know what I mean? Mm,
1: okay, okay. So
0: like, uh, like the prisoner's dilemma. Mm. They brought up the example of the prisoner's dilemma that after a long enough period, um, you could actually end up with altruism from both parties because you know if you keep on failing, keep on failing, keep on failing, you might end up being like, hey, why don't we just you know actually cooperate and not screw each other over? And so. That kind of idea was just like, oh, okay, I could kind of see how this would develop Mm -hmm. in nature. And then I looked at some examples. I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. So um, the first thing I want to do before we get into this is kind of provide a good, solid definition. Because, you know, I feel like a term needs a definition. And so um, Christopher Stevens, who studies the philosophy of biology, which is like a nuts, you know, another nuts topic to me, um, provided four conditions for reciprocal altruism. And so, one is the behavior must reduce the donor's fitness relative to a selfish alternative. Two, the fitness of the recipient must be elevated relative to the non-recipient. Three, the performance of the behavior must not depend on receipt of immediate benefit. And four, conditions one, two, and three must apply to both individuals engaging in reciprocal helping. So, Mm -hmm. basically... The donor has to kind of suffer. The recipient has to, you know, benefit, and it has to not have like a direct benefit to yep. the person who's who's actually donating the uh, their fitness basically. And so oh, like they're
2: going to get like a free a free meal immediately out of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Um, so the first example that I looked into is uh, cleaning fish.
2: <gasps> Are these like the little little sucky fish on the sharks?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a this is a small fish that cleans a larger fish by eating all the crap that accumulates on the larger fish and by crap I don't mean actual crap I mean just like a bunch of stuff um, and so typically this is viewed as a, a symbiosis and not a reciprocal altruism and you know you'll you could say oh you're breaking rule number three you're getting an actual benefit but there is actual reciprocal altruism in this example so um, the host fish allows the cleaner fish free entrance and exit and does not eat the cleaner fish after the cleaning is done and the host actually sometimes chases off possible dangers to the cleaning fish so in this example the host is actually the the um the donor because what's happening is the host not only has to leave their environment but the host also has to you know defend these fish And has to let them, you know, clean and then not eat them directly afterwards. Because he could just be like, oh, cleaning's done. Boom. You're like, you're done. I'm going to eat you now. Because these fish literally like swim inside of them.
2: Yeah. They go inside their mouth, don't they? Yeah, exactly. This is, it's almost like if you were to go to the dentist.
0: Yeah, I feel like if yeah, dentist.
2: <laughs> yeah, eat, eat your dentist, but then your dentist like
0: <laughs> his fingers off.
2: Chases chases away someone trying to kill you. <laughs>
0: yeah, if your dentist chased away someone trying to kill you, exactly. Yeah,
2: it'd be a very very stressful dent dentist trip.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How about you know? I feel like I'm having a, an easier time imagining that if it's more of like a like a dental hygienist leprechaun that can like fit in your in your mouth a little bit easier carry around and then like it you know you spit it at people attack
0: um i don't think you i don't think the donor fish spit the other fish but um so the the cleaning itself is actually essential to the host so like if the leprechaun were essential <laughs> to you like you needed him to do it because in the absence of cleaners the host suffers from uh, infections are inflicted he's also
1: my he's also my accountant yeah <laughs> <laughs> My
2: leprechaun accountant. <laughs>
0: Get the IRS on you. So um basically the, the host will come to the same area for cleaning every time. And so these these cleaners basically set up a little a little spot where they clean all the uh the host fish and a little fish wash. Yeah, a little fish wash. And so that's just a little little tiny example of of uh you know a little altruism from both sides. And um, you know, the, the host fish gets a meal and, you know, sorry, not the host fish, the cleaning fish gets a meal and the host fish ends up getting cleaned. And um, yeah, so typically that's viewed as a, as a symbiosis, but, you know, the chasing off of of dangers and also the, um, basically the, the cleaning fish stay in the same area to meet up with the host fish later. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually a, a reduction in, in their, um, what is that, their fitness. And so, yeah. basically, you're, they're both sacrificing for each other to end up, you know, with this little, cute little relationship that they have. And so, that's a little bit of uh, what this reciprocal altruism is all about.
2: That's adorable. Yeah,
0: it's 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 really cute. And um,
2: what what other examples did you find? Any furry, fluffy, cute little animals?
0: Uh, birds, cute. Yes, birds are cute. Okay, so in birds, um, there's warning calls. So when a bird spots a predator, it puts out a warning call and it's like basically like, oh shit, there's a guy, he's going to hunt us. And um, so that's considered altruism because it puts a big target on your back. You're basically, you know, Mm -hmm. you're shouting.
2: They're like yelling that I'm here. Yeah, you're shouting,
0: I'm here, but also, you know, you're alerting everyone. It's like, it's like shouting, oh shit, a gun. Like, you know, that's the first person Mm. who's going to get shot.
2: Or a
1: ghost. (laughs)
0: oh shit a ghost
1: Um, i'm just saying i'm just yeah if you say there's a ghost and be like holy fuck there's a ghost and the ghost is gonna look at you like what the fuck
0: dude what the fuck why would you let me you know why would everyone why would you make everyone aware of me
2: (laughs) why would you blow my cover exactly i'm just existing here i'm not haunted. yeah
0: exactly (laughs) i'm like i'm right here come on it's like going to a party with a ghost and the ghost is just like hanging out with you and you're like oh shit a ghost and everyone's like what the fuck, dude? He's been with us for like an hour.
2: <laughs> yeah, like be chill, man. Like, be a-
0: chill. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, don't look at him. He's no different to us.
0: <laughs> uh, So the warning calls actually let birds, it prevents the birds, you know, other birds from being eaten. And um, kind of the, the cool part about this is that, you know, whenever one bird spots a predator, it will, you know, let out the warning call. And the, the reason why this warning call is, you know, truly altruism is it prevents the uh, predators from getting experience in hunting in that locality and that species. And so you end up increasing the fitness of everyone by putting out these calls mm-hmm. because you're not letting the predators get experience, which is just like, it's nuts to me.
2: That's amazing.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, they're
2: like docking experience points from like the cougar or the leopard or whatever <laughs> is trying to get them.
0: Uh, yeah, because it doesn't, it can't, it, it can't hunt in that locale and it can't hunt that species, so it doesn't gain experience in either one. And there were studies that showed that hunters get better at hunting um, specific species and in, in specific localities yeah. if they keep on doing it and are able to do it successfully.
2: I love birds, they're so smart, aren't they? Yeah,
0: it it was just nuts to me that, you know, they put out this call and like put a target on their back, but also, you know, at the end of the day, it helps everyone survive better because you're not letting the the predators gain experience.
1: I think what I love about this concept is that it's basically like science proof of
2: friendship. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's just so cute. It's like fish and birds. Scientific proof of goodness goodness in the world because i don't know if they do i don't know if i trust most humans in that type of situation like I, I don't know you i i like to see the good in all humans but then you hear of like some pretty awful yeah. yeah like they love each other awful stories of people like it's very like when you get that fight or flight response some people are all for one and and not not one for all i was trying to think of the right expression
0: all for me <laughs> yeah none for all
2: none all, <laughs> yeah that's right yeah. But yeah it's kind of like
1: like i can't imagine a bird just being like oh panther gotcha <laughs> like you know like it's <laughs>
0: surprise, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> oh fooled you <ya. laughs>
1: <What>, april fool <laughs> yeah, april like,
0: fools wasn't a panther <laughs>
1: yeah like i I I only see them looking out for each other. I don't know, maybe we're maybe we're all just like very um idealistic, but I think that's very sweet. I think so too. To
0: me it was kind of a bit of like, you know, that there's fairness in the universe, that it's just like, you know, yes. I I help you out, you help me out. That just like it feels so fair. And then but to see that in nature in a survival situation kind of was just like oh, that's super nice, <laughs> you know? Like, people don't do that.
2: Yeah, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, so the next example I looked at, um, vampire bats, actually.
2: I love bats. I think bats are some of the coolest evolution to ever happen. They're amazing. They're very cute. Yeah, right? Oh, I give them all of my seals of approval. They're incredible. <laughs> yeah.
0: <that's- laughs> they are. So, I didn't know vampire bats die after 70 hours of not eating. So if they don't find a blood source after 70 hours, they die. And so if a bat is unable to find a steady source of food, other bats around Mm. them will regurgitate blood for them so that they can survive.
1: That's so sweet.
0: And the thing that I noticed that was very surprising to me is that it didn't mention anything about relatedness of the bats. It was purely just, Mm -hmm. you know, hey, you're in trouble. I'm going to regurgitate blood so a that you me. can, you know, you can survive because we're all in this ridiculous time clock. Oh
2: my God. That is so sweet. Why is there not a Disney movie about that?
0: <laughs> Probably because it's bats regurgitating blood. <laughs> really?
2: I would watch it as a child. I think that's a great concept.
1: That's <laughs> so sweet. And I love that. It's like, you want a little snack, <laughs> <laughs> Uh And
0: the, uh, the, the interesting part was actually the ones that regurgitate blood are helped in the future so if they don't find blood there's like other bats will help them out and so it's all like a nice big colony because you know they would all help each other out in the future so it's a little bit of i mean that's what reciprocal altruism is all about is that you know it's this delayed response and they would get you know help in the future if they didn't find any uh any blood and that was just super nuts to me because it felt like such a huge cost to the donor but you know at the end of the day you know they're helping each other survive and that was that was just super cool to me
1: so how do the bats know when the other ones are hungry like are they just keeping tabs on when everybody eats or are there like signs that you're hungry
0: <laughs> did you oh did you eat oh did you sorry <laughs> you like <laughs> no it's i
2: like at your at your grandmother's house yeah it's like have you eaten enough honey
0: it's probably it's probably like a, a specific call that they have that they put out i didn't really see anything mm. specifically about how they signal it that they haven't eaten but i would assume it's like a specific call like oh shit i'm hungry and going to die help me and uh yeah so that's With like
1: their little <laughs> tummies
0: rumble <laughs> yeah um i got a little, <laughs> little exactly bat what noise for you like. um and then the final example that I looked at was grooming and primates. So it goes, it goes all the way up. Um, and so this was studied in vervet monkeys. And it showed that yeah. when one monkey engaged in grooming, there was a higher chance that the other monkey that had been groomed would attend their call for help. So... If you groom me, oh, wow. I am much more likely to come and respond to your call for help, which inherently is like sacrificing a lot of your physical fit, your physical fitness. Sorry, <laughs> what is this presidential physical fitness? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a uh, like your 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 fitness by you know attending someone who's calling for aid because that could be you know danger. It could be anything. Yeah. And um, the grooming um kind of it's like a, a social thing where if one monkey were to groom another monkey then they're way more willing to actually sacrifice not sacrifice themselves but are much more willing to come to their aid if they need you know if they put out the call for help and that was um i don't know i thought it was a very cute example to end on as uh yeah. you do know- they have
2: to be related in the in the same family?
0: No, no, it's not at all. Wow. They're, uh This is actually not, um, this was shown in non-relatives, which was even more nuts to me. All of this was non-relatives,
1: Aww. and
0: that was, like, super nuts to me. That
2: is so sweet. Why
1: is my stupid brain, like, that's Catholic guilt? <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, t- I sent
1: one monkey sacrificed for my sins, so now I'm gonna go kill myself <laughs> fighting for them. <laughs> Did you go um, to a I Catholic was raised school? Roman Catholic?
2: That'll do it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I wasn't raised Roman Catholic, but I went to a Catholic school, and I absolutely have that weird Catholic guilt embedded.
1: Right? In like I. I'm, I'm putting myself in the monkeys shoes. Monkey's paws. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, no, I see the monkey who groomed me in trouble. And I'm like, wow, I'm a piece of shit. I don't deserve to live because he's about to die. And he groomed me.
0: (laughs) He groomed me.
2: Imagine imagine if that's how you felt about your hairdresser.
0: (laughs) Oh,
1: my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then those, like, oh, my, I see a full scene of, like, those, those, like, those, like, alerting birds as like the drummer boys you know like we've got like a whole like guild (laughs) army there's like you know the the little bird drummer boys and my hairdresser at the front line and like everybody's like mouth leprechauns jumping out and like filling in the spaces
0: we have uh we have reached peak (laughs) peak altruism
2: (laughs) (laughs) that magical scene in your head yeah you can also edit that out (laughs) (laughs) oh i love it
0: Oh, so the one thing that I didn't mention, um, because it wasn't really mentioned too much in the Wikipedia article, was there's a me- there's a mechanism in all of these for detecting cheaters. What? And y- so the- every single one of these has a mechanism. Is
1: that what the appendix is
0: for? <laughs> detecting <laughs> cheaters. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, but- oh my goodness reciprocal altruism couldn't exist if there wasn't a way to detect cheaters because, you know, the cheaters would just take advantage of like it. Like
2: people rotting the yeah, system. Yeah, exactly.
0: It would be people not people, but animals in this in this scenario would be yeah. uh would be abusing the system and um God that sounds that sounds horrible. Um people <laughs> <laughs> people would would abuse the system of altruism and therefore like evolution wouldn't have reciprocal altruism be a thing because it's you know it would be so like it would be so what's the word for it favored against I guess is the word for it and um, damaging yeah exactly damaging that's the one
2: so how how did they figure out who's robbing the system is it the guy who's always taken taken the blood and then flying off to another another location
0: I uh, so the the bats they didn't really talk about too much. um too much about the, the cheaters themselves, but it didn't seem (laughs) like bats cheated. It didn't like, from what I read, it seemed like they were just kind of cool with each other. And like,
2: it's because they are literal angels on earth and people judge them. Yeah. There you go.
0: (laughs) Vampire bats are (laughs) angels. I like it.
2: They are.
0: Oh, and, uh, the final thing that the, the article talked about was, um, altruistic systems and humans, like a little bit, they didn't really go too much into it. Ooh, yeah, because they said, and I quote, "It's a sensitive and unstable system."
2: Yep, <laughs> can agree with that.
0: Because uh, they talked about how friendship and emotions of liking and mm. disliking will affect it, moralistic aggression towards people who cheat, yeah. <laughs> the the gratitude and sympathy, guilt and reparative altruism, subtle cheating trust and suspicion. And then they talked about partnerships and all this stuff just kind of makes reciprocal altruism even more complex. And um, it was just very, you know, they didn't go too much into it, but because there's a whole other page purely on human reciprocal altruism or just human altruism. And it was uh, it was just very interesting that they really made a distinction between the animals altruism and then human altruism. And so I thought that was a, a good little little cap off that, you know, humans have separated ourselves because we're more dicks than animals are.
2: <laughs> That's what should be written in the biology textbooks.
0: Humans are dicks, yeah.
2: This is where humans separated from all of the other animals. They're assholes.
0: <laughs> we're assholes.
2: <laughs> That's, you know, what's kind of amazing to me about the whole
1: thing is that in a way you can, like, like what you're describing is such a relatable way of thinking, like truly a mode of thinking where, where it brings up past memory. It brings up cause and effect. It brings up emotion and maybe that's what separates humans, but it's kind of Mm -hmm. amazing that like this is a universally shared experience between fish and birds and monkeys and bat like and human like it's just amazing that this is a way that we can all relate in such a way that I find emotional like I never would
2: have thought that that really yeah I don't know maybe no again yeah. Disney movie they need to get on it
0: <laughs> about the bats regurgitating blood for each other
2: <laughs> oh I love it I I would. I would watch it. Ultrularism for the ages.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Some kind of musical number about, you know, regurgitating for each other.
0: Only something rhymes with regurgitate. And <laughs> <laughs> regurgitate. Um, no, I can't think of anything.
1: <laughs> Monkeys. Spate. Spate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my TM, God. TM, TM, TM. TM.
0: There you go. <laughs> Yeah, so that's, that's reciprocal altruism. and uh,
1: Oh, that makes me feel good inside. Right? <laughs> it was a really, 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 you know, like I can't help but look back at fucking Empress Palpatine and be like, where did that go in you? Where did that go wrong? That
2: was, that was such a good feeling story. Thank you.
0: No problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, where was your yeah, altruism? Where's your altruism? Fucking bear, monkey, cat, mm. bear, bear, cat, bear, yeah. monkey, bear cat monkey, cat lady, chili boob, bitch,
2: <laughs>
0: chili boob. That's gonna become my new insult. You <laughs> chili
2: boob. Bitch. Yes, I love it. Well, my my person, my woman, should help make up for some of the the not niceness of of what was her name. Charlotte yeah
1: yeah yeah, I want to I want to ask you directly oh could you tell us about but I I don't remember her name already
2: (laughs) so my person is Valentina Tereshkava um and that is the only time I'm going to say her last name because I'm just going to butcher it if I don't listen to the to google pronouncing it every time so call her Val yeah yeah good old Val um well Val or Valentina um I, I got to her because I was doing just some random clicking. I started from cannibalism. I went to um, the wood frog because I love frogs along with bats. I love frogs and apparently wood frogs. This is just a random fascinating fact that I thought everyone should know. Um, is that in a study, when they took like tadpole wood frogs, the ones that were cannibals and ate their siblings grew up stronger and faster and just overall more healthy than the ones who did not. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) I thought that was kind of fascinating and terrifying. That's so metal. Yeah, it's metal. (laughs) Absolutely, metal frogs. Um, So that's kind of where my rabbit hole began. And I was clicking around and they're found in Alaska. And then the Alaska was, I was going to say... Colonized, but it's not colonized, they were invaded by the Russians because there were already native uh, indigenous people living in Alaska. So the Russians came over. Um, And then when I got to the Russians, I could not stop reading about the Soviet space program because I am an astrophysicist and I bloody love space. Um, And what one of my favorite things about the Soviet space program was. Uh, how kind of, not vindictive, but how both them and the Americans, were it was literally like tit for tat. They were just trying to one-up each other continuously, um, and which actually mm. led to the first woman going to space, which I thought was really, really cool. So my, my Valentina, Val, she is the first woman and still the only woman to have done a solo space mission, which I thought was pretty awesome. Oh,
1: okay. So where did she go?
0: <laughs> space.
2: So I'll I'll give you I'll give you a brief overview of her, of her life because space think, is oh, big, wow. Drew. It is real big. She didn't go very far, but she went she went further than I'll ever go. <laughs> so she was born in 1937, um, and she's still alive today. She's still alive and still sitting in the House of Federal Assembly of Russia. So she's still a, a parliamentarian, um, which I thought was amazing considering she's 84 um and in my notes i've written just absolute bloody legend um just <laughs> <laughs> so um she was one of three children and her childhood started a little bit sad so when she was two her father was part of um world war Two, and when he went away he ended up dying in world war Two. so it was just her mother and the three children oh wow um which i thought was heartbreaking and then to be able to earn money and survive her mother moved from where they were living closer to a bigger village Um, and this is kind of where uh valentina began her education so she she started school officially at 10 and graduated at 17 so bitch on a mission like that's amazing she crammed all of those school years in and especially back in in the year old days where education for women was not a priority
1: wait so did she not go to school until she was 10 or was it like on and off kind of thing
2: no it looks like she didn't she didn't
1: go to school until she was 10. so was she like the oldest sibling like did she have to take care of her brother or no
2: i think she might have been either the youngest or the middle child i'm not sure why she didn't go to school until 10 maybe they didn't have access Um, or ability but she was able to complete it all by the time she was 17 um yeah and then she so she started working in a fire um sorry a tire factory and a textile mill and then she realized no I want to be educated um so she was doing like a distance via distance education for like a higher education degree which was awesome but this is this is where she starts to get into her hobbies which bring her to eventually going to space so she decided that skydiving looks pretty cool that's Um, amazing i'm gonna start skydiving and this is in the the 50s and 60s where i i feel like even now i i have anxiety but jumping out of a plane just seems bloody terrifying oh my god i don't want to do that ever
1: (laughs) it also just like never occurred to me that 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 pastime if we want to call it that had been invented by then like how long after the invention how long after the invention of the airplane were people like oh I'm gonna jump themselves
2: out exactly and who thought of that who was like "Eh, give it a go I'll take I'll take a sheet what could go (laughs) (laughs) wrong
1: yeah like that's I think that's the real underlying question is how long did it take
2: before people were like, that would be really fun. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, so she joined a whole club. There was a whole club of people who just jumped out of planes for fun as a hobby. And the coolest thing is that she kept it a secret from her family while she was doing all of her like parachuting training. Complete secret from her family. Which I thought was just incredible. Very badass. Like sneaking out in the middle of the night to go jump out of planes. Yes. Like there's a huge secret to hide from your family.
1: I don't know. Yeah.
2: How do you come home like shaking with adrenaline and then
1: you're like, Mom, I'm just at the library. I love Coleridge. Exactly.
2: 1797
0: was the first skydiver. How
2: is that possible? I don't know. When was the plane invented? Not until... Like 1914-ish? Oh. He
0: jumped off of a building, I do believe.
2: Well, the buildings wouldn't have been very tall back then, so did he survive?
0: (laughs) A a jump of 2,000 feet. Or maybe it was a balloon. No, it was a balloon. Mm,
2: That makes more sense.
0: Yeah, skydiving off of a balloon.
2: Oh, skydiving from a balloon.
1: Like, I realize that that's, like, you know, comparable, but somehow that seems like the weenie version. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why
2: that seems so much more like, okay, whatever. Well, back to, back to not dying while jumping out of a plane. Right. (laughs) She obviously survived all of her, all of her jumps. Um, And while she was young, she was a member of like the communist, what was it? The communist league and communist party for Russia. I should mention she was Russian. Right. Um, So I guess that was just normal back then and so uh under her career i've written that she didn't set out to become a space woman um and mainly because back in the year old days they they hadn't really thought of women being able to be an astronaut or a cosmotor um because you know sexism and misogyny right. but it wasn't until uh it was in 1961 that the americans had uh, someone from nasa had spoken to a tabloid and it mentioned that they were going to be the first ones to send a woman to space and so naturally the russians were like uh uh-uh, fuck that we're going to be the first ones to send the, uh, a woman to space and so the quote that they gave was we cannot allow that the first woman in space uh, be an American. This would be an insult to the patriotic feelings of the Soviet woman, and so yeah, they felt very strongly about it. Um, and so I feel like that's so much more progressive. Yeah, you know, like it's for the right. dignity
1: of like of the
2: women, the Soviet woman. Uh, yeah, I thought that, and I was like, wow, I guess. <laughs> and so then I did a quick Google to be like, were they super progressive? And no, not really, but oh shit they did they did want the patriotic feelings of the soviet women to remain intact so with that they they said that they were going to take five women for the next group of the cosmonauts um and then to ensure that the women were going to make it to space they actually began training them before the male astronauts which i thought was kind of cool um but i thought i'd just read you some criteria uh to see if you could have been uh an astronaut woman back in the day or you Drew if you want, but this is the criteria to apply to being a cosmonaut uh, in the 1960s. I'm a lady. Yeah, Drew, pretty lady. Yeah, pretty lady. Um, so you've got to be a parachutist, which... Okay, I'm already out. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you have to be under 30, which, ding ding, I make it. Barely. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> <laughs> and then this last one, this one, this one gets me. You have to be under 70 kilos and under five foot seven which I'm I'm a little heavier than than 70 kilos I mean I haven't been 70 kilos since I was a ye little lady so so I'm
1: under five seven but I have no idea what I weigh in kilos in pounds oh. in stones I have no fucking clue
2: well I think that's how it should be we shouldn't care about how we weigh yeah
1: amen thank you
2: it's good. Actually my, my partner has hidden the scales from me because they are just stupid numbers. Which they are. But I thought in the comparative, like I did a quick like little BMI, like if you are five foot seven and seventy kilos, like that is super duper tiny. It seems a little Is it like you're a bird? Basically you're a bird. <laughs> like... So just unreasonable. Well I think it I think it depends on your height, but if you are five foot seven that it feels very fragile. Like if you're jumping out of a plane. But nonetheless, this is this the next bit which I thought was incredible. Out of all of this criteria, four hundred people applied and met the criteria. So there were four hundred women who were parachutists and met all the all the weight and height and and stuff criteria. I'm just amazed that wow! I know that four hundred people were qualified parachutists. It must have been a pretty lit hobby back in russia that
1: blows my mind right
2: like in, in this small conversation i've gone
1: from like my my prior before coming into all of this was like nobody was a parachuter in like the <laughs> yes. 1900s and now it's like there are 400 of them and they all look like birds
0: <laughs> they're all birds in disguise
1: yes <laughs> so from the- sorry drew how many do you uh check off on this list.
0: Um 1 Under 30? <laughs> Under 30 you got it.
1: We did it. Oh, why was I like, oh, he's definitely a parachuter?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's it.
1: Uh, we're the same age. <laughs> <It's> the same. <laughs> <laughs> Your birthday is like right after mine. Fuck. I so it's funny it's funny because people, whenever they hear like what I study, they're like, oh, so do you want to be an astronaut? And I'm like, fuck no. <laughs> like You could never, ever. You could not pay me enough to go to space. I would never fucking do that. I don't even
2: like flying in a plane. No, I'm a thousand percent the same, especially that you're sitting your ass atop a glorified miss- uh, missile and just hoping that everything goes okay. And actually, my, the biggest reason why I would never be an astronaut and this might be controversial, you can't wash your hair properly in space. <laughs> and <I'm, laughs> and it might... Oh, I could... I'm the type of person who washes my hair every day, which I know is bad for it, but I can't... It soothes my soul.
1: Oh, my God. I didn't even think of that. Well, yeah, you know, like, that's a whole other practical aspect. Like, I've gotten seasick from a kayak.
3: Uh-oh. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think
1: that I could survive
2: in space. No... You'd need a lot of vomit
1: bags. I I also just, like, there... I feel like it's it's like the detriment of knowledge like I know or I can conceive of like every fucking way that something could go wrong and what would happen as a result and I just spend
2: the whole time thinking about every way I could possibly die yeah no I think I I could do it but I would need to be very heavily medicated with anti-anxiety drugs (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'd need to be zonked out of my mind yeah
1: if I was completely unconscious I could do it (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) my body could do it send my body up (laughs) my body could do it my brain could not (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah just send my soul to heaven okay so out of out of all of those applicants they picked five women who would go through all of the training and good old val our girl she was one of them um and for the first woman to go to space val got picked or valentina got picked um because she had a good propaganda story because she was a daughter of a farmer who was killed in the winter war but she was rising above that and becoming a woman to go to space so you know all all about the propaganda wow they were planning the wikipedia article even then yes exactly (laughs) they had some great pr people yeah so when was her first flight june 14th okay so the the big day that she went up into space was june 14th oh my god But what year i lied it was june 16th in 1963 So it was two, two years after the Americans had announced that they were going to train women astronauts, the Russians beat them to it. Um, so on June 16th in 1963, um, she put on her big giant spacesuit, and it was, it was decided that she would go in, um, the Vostok six capsule all by herself. Um, and then the following woman would be going with a man. So this is why she still remains the only woman to do a solo flight. Um, which I think is incredible Uh, but I wanted to just give you a little bit of a rundown of her day before she took off into space because there's some interesting stuff that happens so you know wake up in the morning feeling fresh put on your spacesuit type thing Um, and so they used to get uh, like a bus from where they geared up in their spacesuits and their their launch gear a bus out to the launch pad Um, and as she was on the bus one of the like one of the people who were in charge of escorting her were telling her that there was like a tradition that all of the men once they reached the the landing pad would pee on the bus wheel for good luck and this guy was kind of like teasing her being like oh i guess you can't can't do the good luck pee which i'm sorry why, why are people oh. peeing on things for luck that sounds like the first guy got to the launch pad realized that shit, oh shit I better pee just in case and took a leak on the bus and someone made it a tradition oh
1: my god you're completely right but I also love the whole like Ooh,
2: how are you going to pee on the wheel <laughs> what are you going to do about it
0: <laughs> what are you going to do what are you going to do about it what are you gonna do about it oh my god it's such a male thing to pee on stuff
2: (laughs) I know well I'll tell you what she did she yanked down her spacesuit and she peed on that wheel yes that's my brand of feminism yes girl yes
1: (laughs) pee pee poo poo feminism
2: she bloody did it (laughs) that's what I'm about (laughs) I love that yeah, I thought that was such a badass thing because she's like, watch me, watch me do it. Um, and it's probably good she did because before takeoff, she had to sit in that capsule alone on top of a rocket for two hours as they did the countdown. Oh, no. Two hours. That's insane. I would have peed myself just out of nerves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I, love, I love the entire concept and and superiority out of, of spite peeing. Like anytime someone pees on something out mm-hmm. of spite, I think that's why I have cats.
3: Cause, they pee, out of spite.
1: <laughs> Cause they, they pee when they're like trying to express themselves, but just like the absolute dominance of being like, I can't pee here, I'm gonna pee here, it is mine now. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I appreciate I that. Love, I love it. our our greyhound has just learned how to cock her leg from living with a male dog for a couple of months last year and so now we're so proud of her because she is gender fluid when it comes to peeing because she will proudly cock her little leg and pee on this things. This is the future. <laughs> this is the future. This is the future liberals want.
1: So she so she empties her bladder, she gets in the, the, the cockpit and then she's like I have to wait for two hours.
2: Yeah, so she's just sitting there for two hours. And it didn't really say what she was doing. Like, did she have a good book? Was someone chatting to her? It does, It sounds a little horrible. Um, but everything goes well and it launches and the capsule's released into low Earth orbit. Um, and uh, I love this next bit. Her nickname for the mission was Seagull. <laughs> so good. she gets up there and the first thing that she says back down to Earth is, It is I, Seagull everything is fine i see the horizon <laughs> and i'm like that's amazing Aww, that's so cute i know so i think she had a grand time uh she was up there for what was it i think it was uh two days and 22 hours like it was almost three days worth of travel um and she took photos up there with like a film camera out of the capsule and these photos ended up being able to be used in science experiments to prove that there were aerosol layers in the atmosphere so was this the dawn of like global warming um awareness of of like our contamination to the atmosphere i guess it must have been because until then they hadn't confirmed that there were aerosols um like a significant amount contaminating the atmosphere so how cool is that what a legend! She is a bloody legend. I think so. Put it on a t-shirt: "Bloody Legend" for
0: <laughs> bloody legend. Val.
3: Well, this,
2: this I think gets even better. So she, she does her trip, has a grand old time. Um, it's time to land, and this is where her parachuting skills come into play. So, but this is before they had designed capsules that were you could survive landing in, or capsules with parachutes. So the, the, the gist was you fall back to earth. And when you're at a few thousand feet above the ground, you yeet yourself out of the capsule and shoot your own parachute out. <laughs> and... <laughs> okay, what if you were in the middle of the ocean? Yes, very good point. So they pretty much knew kind of where she was going to land based on how fast everything was going. And of course, you don't want to land in the American zone because you're kind of in the middle of like a cold war. You're trying to beat each other to space. All that good jazz. Um, so they knew that she was. They, they aimed her to land somewhere in Russia, um, but uh, though it was a bit windy, and she landed, <laughs> <laughs> she landed off course, landed near a, a sweet little village, um, and the villagers came and helped her get out of her spacesuit and her parachute, um, and then gave her dinner. So they they cooked her a home cooked dinner, um, and waited for her to get picked up by by the by the russian (laughs) space force
1: but okay so she must have had some kind of like radio with her right because she can't text and be like oops i'm in this
2: village come pick me (laughs) up." wrong turn yeah yeah yes yes i think she she definitely would have had like a communication like a even like a satellite communication because you can't like write a letter no imagine waiting like a week in some random's barn (laughs) for someone to come pick you up (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, anyway so i think i i thought that was really cool and then afterwards so um her and the, the other female who also went up shortly after her she was in the capsule with the man so she didn't solo trip but she was the second woman in space um so when both of them returned back to um I think, it, I'm not sure what, what the city was, but they, they returned back to the main city where all of the, um, the, the headquarters were. There were one million flowers delivered to out the front of the building and along the streets oh. to celebrate the women, which I thought was just beautiful. That's really oh, nice.
1: That's adorable. They have so much respect and pride.
2: Yeah, isn't that sweet? Yeah, very patriotic. Um, And, like, they did, like, a grand, um, like, a -a ticker-take day parade, like, uh, toured her around. And she ended up doing 42, like, international tours in the coming years to talk about, like, space and space flight and women's rights and all this jazz. Um, And she even met the Queen. She met Lizzie.
0: Oh, that's adorable.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So she had a pretty exciting life. And then in uh, 1977... Um, she decided that being the first woman to space was just not enough. Uh, so she went back and she got her PhD in aeronautical engineering, which I thought was oh, just hell yeah. amazing.
1: Wow. So she must have been in her 40s or 50s then. Um, that would have been because she, she was born 37, I think you said.
2: Yeah, yeah. So she would have been like late, late 30s. Why can I not do math?
1: Yeah. So, okay, yeah, late 30s or like in her 40s. Okay, yeah. I mean, still, like, when you're, an, when you're an international celebrity, like, I don't know, I can barely get my PhD now, but to also be, have to,
2: like, I don't know, be, be an enormous celebrity, that's, that's amazing. I know. I, th- I thought that was very impressive. She would have been in her 40s, so it looked like. Um, but, yeah, so that, that's my girl. Wow.
1: I feel really wow. bad that I didn't know her name, that I didn't recognize her name. No,
2: I think it's, I mean, I feel like we're not taught about a lot of women in history typically whether they like it's excluded just based on um not necessarily like the people who present the history or who write the history whether it's their biases but i think it's just a bias in general that that women especially in the fields of like science and and learned women were definitely not as praised as as they are now which is very sad, but also I'm very proud to be able to talk about a badass woman. Yeah. I
1: think also maybe too, part of it is like, maybe we, I say we as, as Americans, but maybe it's, it's something similar. (laughs) (laughs) Like maybe there's like this hesitancy to celebrate Russian science still. I didn't, I Mm -hmm. didn't know until maybe just a few years ago that a, a rover or that a spacecraft had landed on Venus and took pictures. I had no idea
2: pictures of the Venetian surface yeah. existed. Yeah, no, the Russian space program, incredible. Um, and I think I think definitely very much that whole weird propaganda of the space race that remains. I feel even as an Australian, all all of our space history is really tied with NASA and with the American side of it that's
1: kind of amazing that there's still yeah. this reluctance to acknowledge that the russians did a good job or you know that they were even first mm. few, i don't know like i could tell you like when the the lunar landing was <laughs> like i could you know but it's like even that was like after val had gone to space yeah yeah exactly yeah that's that's pretty um that's pretty interesting to view it you know 50 plus years in the future like in retrospect and see yeah I think, I think that problem though, sadly still exists. I think that you would think that like the final frontier would be this uniting factor. um, And it's just, it's really disappointing that it's still just a cause for for competition. I don't know why we can't, what was the word Drew? What was the word of your thingy?
0: (laughs) uh, Reciprocal um, altruism.
1: Yeah, why can't we do that all together? to go to space why can't it be like oh i'll share my technology with you and then we'll go to space holding
2: hands i think definitely more so now but still there is that that bizarre competitive streak where it like it just makes so much sense so just not even in space just generally in the world like if you help someone or help a nation who is in poverty once you help them alleviate that they are then able to help you
1: yeah You would, I just, maybe there's this pervasive pessimism that's like, that's not the case. Or that, you know, maybe there's this fear that everyone will be taken advantage of in some way.
2: I don't know. We are millennials. We (laughs) We have seen some bizarre stuff in our short life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I, (laughs) I just want, I just want everyone to love each other. (laughs) Yes. Well, I think you summed it up nicely tying the ultralism ultralism back to the space lady. And that your your lady she had none. She was a bit of a <laughs> bit of a bitch. <laughs> she fo- yeah,
1: she focused on the wrong things in life like the, gender of, the teeth. gender
0: of teeth.
2: She would have been like um gossip girl but back in
1: yeah, like she in the 1700s. The whole time I was like I'm totally reading like some kind of scripted MTV reality show that takes place in Versailles. <laughs> Amazing. I do think that would be an incredible show. I would I would love that. I don't know if Me you, too. this is kind of like a tangent, but I don't know if you've got, have you guys ever heard of the Goncourt brothers? No. Okay, they were these brothers. Nice. I, so I learned about them because I took a lit class on diaries, like super random, but they had a yeah. meticulously kept, yeah. um, they, because they were inseparable brothers. They were just, not literally, but they spent like that, all their time together. <laughs> like, figurative, Figuratively. Yeah. yeah. That, that's not yeah. healthy, is it? <laughs> they, so they, they hung out together all the time they did literally everything together and they wrote in their diaries like about their day. And they also lived at Versailles. And it's this like amazing, I mean, when I say they did everything together, like, I'm pretty sure they either had to sleep with the same woman or had to sleep with like twins. Like they were like those kinds, of... oh <laughs> I don't even know if... I don't even know if they were twins themselves. I totally forget, but it was like, one could not be without the other at any given moment. And their diaries talk in like crazy detail about what life was like at Versailles. And it's shit like if the king sneezes or coughs, everybody has to react as if it's the end of the world. Because if you don't, then it looks like you don't love the king. So if you're not fainting or vomiting or like freaking out that the king could be sick, then you don't care enough. And it was just this, like, constant, like, one-upping of drama and, like, displays of, like, horror and delight and, like, all over the place. And it was just the fakest fucking place on the planet. And I think this would make for an incredible (laughs) reality show.
0: Oh, my God.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It'd be like a badass Bridgerton type. (laughs) Back in Versailles, I would absolutely watch that. Okay, thank you so much everybody for hanging out with us and
1: uh, we hope that you enjoyed some of these uh, strange, let's call them byways that we've ended up on because I don't feel like it's really the end of any kind of journey but just a really long and weird one. If you yourself have found that you were zombie walking through the internet and ended up on a page you did not expect, we definitely want to hear about it. We are making a Twitter just for the show. We would love it if you would uh, at us or comment on any of our posts with where you have ended up. Anywhere that you found yourself watching on TikTok at 3 in the morning or anywhere that you have sleepwalked into while you were procrastinating writing your next paper. Um, But for now, this has been Lindsay, Drew, and Sarah. Thank you so much for spending time with us. I love things that eat trash.